Manchester United won Brighton 3. A little over 12 months ago, Brighton beat Manchester United at Old Trafford, and it was a shock. This time, it wasn't a shock. Let's find out why. This is onto the ball. Oh, you beauty! <laughs> We're back. Back Liverpool with a bang! Liverpool are top of the league, chest out, and Man United are absolute dog food. Oof. How are you, That's mate? Being nice. It's being nice and all, isn't it? <laughs> oh, Travis, let's get straight yeah. into it. I know you're in a dark place, but that's what footy does to us. That's why it we created this podcast. And I've just gone through 12 months of it being a Liverpool fan um, with an absolute dead midfield. We had a glorious four or five years on the clock and then we had 12 months of absolute despair. Yeah. It looks like we've always said football, it can change overnight. It can flip fast. Liverpool mm. at top of the league and Man United, let's just get straight into it. Manchester United... What on earth is going on? I said at the start of the programme, it wasn't a shock Saturday, and it wasn't, let's be honest. No, no, no. no. You were fearful. I was hopeful that Man United would get beat, and it, it was a slapping. It was a real slapping, wasn't it? Yeah, real easy, yeah. I've not seen the game because I was um, away this weekend, but from what I've heard, after the first 10, 15 minutes, Brighton did what Brighton do best, passed us to death, and we just had no answers. Um yeah, but it wasn't, when you say no answers, it wasn't like you got outclassed. Man United had a day on the beach. Really? I mean, you must have seen the clips, the clips doing the rounds on Twitter. Uh, there was absolutely no press. And I'm not even talking like a half-hearted press. There was no press. Brighton were just building it up from the back. Rashford walking around. Rashford is taking absolute pelters. Um, well, you know better than me. Within the Man United fan base, he's getting absolutely slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, he always does. He he is one of the ones that's always victimised whenever we lose in terms of his work rate and his effort, to be fair. I think it's more of a team issue, though. If you, I mean, if you look at the way we set up, um, from what I'm hearing, we set up with a diamond, which is very naive. I mean, you don't even need to be a massive football fan to know that Matoma is one of the most dangerous wingers in the league. So why we're setting up with a diamond in the first place doesn't really make much sense to me. Um I've read an article in The Athletic that said that their centre-half sort of started quite narrow on build-up, then they just stretched. And as soon as they stretched, it killed the diamond. So that, that's the manager's job. When, when the diamond, when the centre-half split, you can't play a diamond that expect the wide centre-mids to press. That's why there what, is... What's no the diamond you're talking about? Because I actually watched the game. What yeah. diamond... Uh, so Casemiro at the base. Casemiro at the base. Ericsson and McTominay there, Bruno in the 10, Rasmus and Rashford up front. So when their centre-halves are on the six-yard box and building up play, our centre-forwards can go and press that. But as soon as Dunk and the other centre-half went like that, that gap becomes wider. So if the, if the strikers split and man-mark the centre-backs, there's just a massive space through the middle. And let's be honest, technically, Brighton are a better passing possession team than us. So we were scared to sort of press. That's why it looks like we don't press, because we couldn't get near them. So what we had to do 
sounds weird, but as the home team, we've sort of got to be a little bit of a counter-attacking team and make it difficult for Brighton because we're just not as good as a football team as, as they are. And that comes down to coaching, that comes down to the manager, that comes down to quality, really. Not quality of player in terms of players purchased, but just coaching and management. That, that's literally what it's down to, coaching, management, coaching teams, implementing a philosophy and an identity and a way of playing. And that's all it's down to, nothing else. So it's the lack of then on yeah. Saturday. Um, I presume you've watched the highlights and seen the goals. Yeah, I mean, obviously, goals, like yeah. you say, to set up on a counter-attacking, um, which basically, yeah, like you say, they just give the Brighton defenders the ball. Rashford walked around defenders with the ball. It was honestly, it, it looked like the performance of a manager who'd maybe been there five years and has lost the dressing room. Did it? And you've got to remember, this is only month 14 or 15 mm. with Ten Hag. Um, obviously, as a Liverpool fan last year, when we were absolutely horrendous, we had so many podcasts where we were saying, has Klopp lost the dressing room? Maybe he has. We're just not seeing the effort. We're not seeing the desire. Um, we're trying to implement a shape, but there's no execution of it. It was like that. Um, I mean, I, I didn't see this diamond from the game that I watched. And I know, obviously, I was on Twitter and on my phone a lot laughing. From what I've seen, it, Rashford was on the left. Like, he wasn't a two-man striker. He was purely on the left. And a lot of the time when he got the ball, he was doing his own thing. He was head down, motoring for the goal on his own. Never a thought in the world that I'm here to supply the new striker um, and get Hoyland off the mark on his first start. There was none of that. He was just head down thinking, I'm going to be Sadio Mane in his palm and I'm going to grab a goal or two and pull us across the line. But, um, but that obviously left this massive gap on the right. Yeah, I know we said in the last potty, is he going to play Palestri there? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what other options he would have even had, whether Garnacho could have gone across there. Um, but it was like there was no right winger. There was Hoyland in the centre, Rashford on the left. Bruno, if you told me he weren't playing, I, would, I wouldn't I would be able to... Oh, what's happened there? I wouldn't be able to um, disagree. What's happened with my camera? I don't know. Um... It was like he wasn't playing. If you said to me, Scott, you you obviously didn't check this the team lineup. Mm. Bruno didn't play. I wouldn't be able to call you a liar. Was he that anonymous? He was honestly. It was like I can't think of a a, a single point he had. Well, this well, this is the thing. Like back to the Rashford point. We bang on about Rashford and. Like you said, it it is down to him. Most definitely, it's down to him to sort of like be better in those situations. This is something that's been well documented with him. I think the fact that he's bailed us out so many times sort of like imbalances the fan base thoughts about Rashford and whether he can sort of get away with just doing what he wants because he's been so successful in terms of his output from, um, from time to time. But most definitely, like you said, he does... He is a bit of a purple patch player. Like you'll get 10 to 15 really excellent games and then you'll get 12 not so good games where he's, where he's not at it as well. But to get that consistency is a two-way thing. Like it comes from the player 
but it also comes from the manager and his instructions. Now, I've said this on a previous podcast, Rashford is a wide player. He plays through the centre a lot. So if you got Bukayo Saka, Luis Diaz playing as a central striker all season and you're expecting him to be Brazilian R9, it's not going to happen. So you can batter the player as much as you want. He is playing out of position, but for some reason, we just expect Rashford to be unbelievable as a striker and as a wide player. And I think the fan base is a little bit accountable for that as well, because we put him on this pedestal and compare him to Mbappe and stuff like that. And the moment he falls below his own level, we just call him shit. He's not shit, but he's not world-class either. So we just need to like just decrease the expectation level of Rashford and just say he is a good player. He should be a player that's a good player that bails us out from time to time. He's a match winner, but he can also be taken off as well when he's not playing well. And we just need to just calm down. Like it, we just shouldn't be putting him on the levels of the Mbappes and Salas and all these like top, top productive players in those positions. He's just not that player, but he's a very good player and he should be part of a squad He's very capable of being part of a squad that goes on to win the major trophies without a shadow of a doubt for me. But we just put too much pressure on him to be unbelievable. Bruno, I don't know. Like I, like I said, I've not seen the game. Bruno's in exactly the same bracket as Rashford for me. Good player, but shouldn't be put on this pedestal like he's Zinedine Zidane. He has bad games. He's the captain. He is a leader. Doesn't always conduct himself in the right way. But just, again, just calm the expectations down. Like, if Bruno has a bad game, then just say he has a bad game. There's no need to start saying he's, he's dead and we need to sell him. He, he's a good player. But we just need, we do need more, not necessarily more more of those types in terms of their, their end product, but we definitely need those types of characters in the team. They love the club, but we just need more options than what we've got, definitely. Um. Did you notice Martinez for the first and partly the second goal? But mainly the first. Um, I can't remember who it was that ran down the right-hand side, but he just ran alongside them, hands behind his back, as the defenders do. Didn't even try a leg to stop the cross from coming in. Uh, I think it was Lalana stepped over it well bet, scored against his former team, and then he didn't cover himself in glory for the second either. He was just He looked like a headless chicken. He looked like a, a little boy lost. Uh, obviously, I say the little boy because he's only five foot two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know, is he, is he missing Varane? Or can can I convince you that Martinez is just, he's no, um, he's not going to win your leagues. I'm going to build all this up and I'm going to show you the transfers and we're going to dissect them a bit. And then I think I'm hoping to build it up to Ten Hag out. Everyone's down tours in already then, yeah? Is that what we're saying? Like, come on. Like, we've, we've did you see been... the first and second goal? Can you remember I did. them? I did. So, but but let's be honest. It's Martinez hasn't hasn't just said, you know what? I'm not going to defend this season. Like, it's pretty obvious the whole team's disjointed. That's why everyone looks dead. Like, when Ten Hag, so why why is it disjointed? This should be Ten Hag's second season where he really starts laying the foundation of the shape of his Manchester United. Yeah. He's obviously out of his depth. He's obviously yeah, out. Of his, out. He's, he's, he's messed it up, hasn't he? That's what I'm trying no, to build up to. There's literally no other way. Like, yeah, like you don't need you don't need to try and hoodwink me into saying it. Like, he's he's literally not good enough. He isn't. No, good I think enough. I think if anything, 
I'm, I'm wish Naz was on because I think Naz would um, fight it maybe a little bit more because he has mm. said on the last stream and he has said on the inbox he's not Ten Hag out yet. But I think when we're breaking it down and we're looking not only at the away record, not only at the transfers in the last 14 mm. months, spending 400 mil, but when we're looking at the first five games, the way that the team are playing, and I know he's he's had some rotten luck, let's be honest. Mason Greenwood, now Anthony, yeah. getting Cristiano Ronaldo out of the club. Yeah. Harry Maguire debacle, which, you know, yes, he's not up to league winning standard. He's not up to Manchester United standards after the last 30 years. So let's be honest, it's been a bad buy. He stripped him of the captaincy. That kind of uh, joke figures follow Maguire into the England squad where he's getting ridiculed now. He he wouldn't leave Man United. He, reject, he rejected the move to West Ham unbelievably. So Ten Hag still got him, a bad apple probably on the bench. He's not had any luck. But on the other hand, with the buys that he's made and he's into his second season, I'm not seeing anything to suggest that he's going to be a, a success at Man United. I think he's Listen, already a dead man walking. Yeah, well, this is what I mean. Like, apart from the two domestic violence cases that are going on, is there anything different that's going on at United apart from players just a little bit upset that they're not playing all the time? Like, that happens at big clubs. Like, you you name any big club, like... The starting eleven is are the happiest people at the club. If you're not in the starting eleven, you're not going to be happy if you're not playing consistently. That happens all the time. There's loads of players at big clubs that want to play, and if they're not playing, they're not going to be happy. So for me, like you said, that that's just part and parcel at being at this level. And 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 as much as you want to say it, United are still the biggest club in the league. Like, they, they attract the most attention. They've not got the best team. They don't play the best football, but they attract the most attention. They're always the biggest talking point. Do you know what I mean? No matter what. So, it... I, obviously, I don't agree with that, but, yeah, you know, obviously, there's... It, you know, if we have a handful of clubs, Man United are right in there. Yeah, of Man course. Man City, obviously, after the last 10 years, they're right in there. Man City, Arsenal are spending big again. Stan Kroenke's got ambition. Arsenal have always been a force the last... 30 years, they're back now. Liverpool are in there. Man United are in there. Chelsea, obviously, they're coming across some real tough times at the minute, the last year or two. Change of ownership. But yeah, Man United are right up there. However... If Liverpool lost at home to Brighton and Man U lose at home to Brighton, what do you think is going to attract more attention? Man U losing. Think, think about all the attention last season when Liverpool were pretty much dead and buried. Oh, Klopp, the seven-year itch. He's, he's going to walk or he might even get fired. The yeah. midfield are all burnt out. We're talking like 30, 29 and 30-year-old midfielders are burnt out. It's yeah. all gone sour. The, the owners don't spend. They allow the... Yeah. You know, we're all... We're both supporters of massive clubs. Yeah. I think I think what I was thinking over the weekend was, right, because obviously yeah. you've got to keep a level head because this is the start of Ten Hag's second season. Yeah. If Ollie was still in charge... Mm. Would your would your thoughts towards Man United right now be exactly the same, or would you be more vexed, more angry, more vocal on Twitter? Surely, if if Ollie was there now, you because I know you from the last five years. Yeah, if yeah. Ollie was still there right now, you'd be like, I'm done with Man United. I'm not even talking about it. Ollie yeah. out. I'm not talking until he's gone. Yeah. To me, this is these five games are, are worse than it was ever under Ollie. What in terms of performance? 
performance, yeah. Forget the results. I know you beat Wolves and I know you beat Forest. In my opinion, you shouldn't have. But these five performances are as far from a Manchester United level yeah, standard in the last 30 that, years. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm so disappointed. Like, I can't argue with it because I thought we was getting a, a top coach. When we sacked Ollie, I thought this guy was going to come in and work with some of these players that we've got and had his own and make us sick. That, that's, that's genuinely what I thought was going to happen. And he's not done that. Like, he's literally not done that. Like, I'm surprised he's not been able to get a tune out of more of these players. But now I'm starting to see him even panic because, like I said, we've, we've, we've used three different formations in the first five games. We used the diamond at the weekend. We've used a four... Four, like four, three, three in the first game when we played two high number eights with Mount. Then Mount got injured. Then we went back to this like half double pivot thing with like Ericsson and that. And we just scraped by Forrest. So like, I don't even think he trusts what's going on. Like, I think he's, I'm not saying he's making it up as he goes along, but if he's playing, <laughs> if, he's play, if he's playing, just say it, say it, Trav. No, but if he's, it. If he's I think making di- up as he goes if along. If he's playing three different systems in the first five games, that shows to me that in training every day, they're working on three different things. So how can they get con- continuity? How can the players and this squad get continuity with a pattern and a way of building for changing the formation all the time? It's literally impossible. Like, Lewis Dunk said something after the game. I was reading some quotes about Deserby and how how he drills into them patterns playing out from the back, how they build all the time, relentlessly on the training ground. That that can't be happening at United. That it can't be because we're playing a different way every time you watch us play. It's not a set way of playing. It's it's so different all the time. I can't relate to how we're playing because I'm seeing something different all the time. So what's going on in training? I literally don't. I can't tell you, bro. I literally can't tell you. I don't want to do Ten Hag any favours, but is the ever-changing personnel in the back four um, making it a little bit impossible for Anana to settle and, and bring this plane out from the back, a sweeper, keeper, whatever you want to call it? I mean, you've had different left-backs, different right-backs and a whole how many centre-backs have you had? Maguire, Lindelof, Varane, Martinez, uh, the old fellow's his name, Johnny um, Evans. Five different centre-backs in five games. Different partnerships. wan is out now. Dallow was there. Dallow was left-back. He was right-back. Regulon's come in there for his debut. Didn't pull up any trees. Although I've heard he, he is, as debut goes, it wasn't that bad. Um, but he was nowhere for that first goal. God knows where your left back was. Martinez come across and just had the old arms behind the back. Didn't even try a leg. Um, but listen, let's... Um... Oh, my little girl's in there. Yes, Dad. You should be at dancing, sweetheart. What are you doing on here? <laughs> <laughs> Travis, man, you're rubbish. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna leave that one up there while we uh, look at this. Right. I'm going to put you on, on the spot a little bit. Tell me, so obviously just look at the, the top ones, yeah? Yeah. Obviously all these uh, lone players, Sabitzer, Jack Butland, you know, they don't really matter. Hmm. Malassia, 15 million. Yeah, it's not, doesn't cost a lot, but he hasn't pulled up any trees, has he? No. Sandro Martinez, he's nowhere near the levels of centre-backs. I mean, let's obviously let's use Man City as the, the benchmark. Yeah. Parameter. Look at the tune that Pep's getting out of 
Nathan Aki, and Akanji, John Stones, Diaz. Yeah, I mean, they just keep rolling them off. Lissandro Martinez is not in there. No. Uh, bracket, is he? Uh, certainly on performance. Well, I'm just talking performance. I'm well, not saying Martinez Nathan, is like Nathan, as a all, player. This is what I'm saying. It's all about coaching and management, self-belief, what you instill into a player. Nathan Aki got relegated last season. Do you know what I mean? Man City picked him up from Bournemouth. They went down. Do you know what I mean? He, he creates these players. And this is the difference. Like, we're buying Martinez. He had a good first season. Look like he displayed leadership qualities, but we've not kicked on. There's no excuse for us not kicking on. And back to your question about like, is the ever changing defense a defense for like playing out from the back and bringing in an Anna? I've got no sympathy for him because we didn't bring in any defenders. We didn't sign any defenders this season, whether that's center halves or fullbacks. The only reason we signed Regwell on is because Malassia got injured and Shaw got injured. So he is in his head, he was obviously confident that he could have coached what we had in order to play out. Now, it was pretty obvious that we needed more than just an honour to be able to play out from the back in terms of actual players. But, but you'd still expect to see more from a coaching perspective. So for me, an example of what I'm trying to say is, Wan-Bissaka, for me, is terrible on the ball. So if you want to play out from the back, you're not going to do that with Wan-Bissaka. So that's why I've always wanted Dallo to be right back out of the two. They're, they're both not the finished article, but similar to Liverpool, you were getting to Champions League finals with Lovren centre-half and you just added the quality and then you started winning stuff. Do you know what I mean? We're not getting the max out of... We're not utilising this to its maximum before we say, right, do you know what? Let's go and add the stars and then, and then that will equate to the trophies. That's what you did. He's getting to Champions League finals. With like Clav um, Clavin centre half, Lovren, Carrius. Carrius was throwing it in his net. So he was like, right, let's go and get Allison, 75 million. Then the trophies started coming. We're not even getting to that stage where we're like, right, it's maxed out. Let's go and buy some like top quality to go and finishing it off. We're literally not delivering the coaching and the tactics to even get by with this squad. And that's probably the most disappointing thing since Ollie's left. Let's carry on. Casemiro, mm. you know my feelings on him. Yeah, yeah, you are a big fan. Naz is a big fan. He, the guy's 31 years old now. It was the absolute wrong buy, buy at the wrong time. And I'll die yeah. on the hill with that. We don't even need to talk about it. Anthony, mm. goals and assists, it's just not there. Mm. You needed him to be a Sadio Mane type impact signing. The right mm. age, the right profile coming in for massive money. Obviously, he cost a lot more than Sadio Mane did. But you need, if anything, out of that transfer window, Casemiro, yeah, stopgap for what you needed at the exact time. Casemiro, he wasn't for the long term. So that's why I think you shouldn't have bought him. But Anthony is probably the one you just needed him to be a monster, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you've got Mason Mount on there. And well, that was... So, yeah. that so was then that's, this is obviously the bolt on. This is... Ten Hag's second window. Hoyland, we can't even judge him yet. He's had one game and he looks he looks litty, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so let's not even talk about him. Mason Mount, we've seen, I mean, I was about to say we've seen enough. We know what he can bring at Chelsea. For what Manchester United need to play him in midfield, Manchester United have still got that model like Liverpool had. Mane, Salah, Firmino. Arsenal have copied it. Martinelli, Saka, Gabriel Jesus. 
Man City, Haaland in the centre. They've had different players, Mares, Sterling. Uh, now it's Grealish and Doku now. You know, the front three. So for that to work for Man United, you don't need Mason Mount in the midfield, do you? You need these box-to-box workhorse midfielders. A Ginny Wijnaldum, might I say? Um, I said that when we was linked with Mount. I said that when we was linked with Mount, it was a poor signing. And he's not even... I mean, I know he's injured now. So we'll see what happens when he comes back, if Ten Hag gets the time to show what he wants to do with Mount. But the, the recruitment's been a massive issue for United. Um, and, and for Ten Hag, I think that's what I'm getting at. Um, and we said it on the stream during the week with Naz on it, you have to hit the ground running in your first year or two, don't you, with your recruitment. We said 80%. So eight out of your 10 first big signings have got to be bang on to give you a fighting chance of being a success in that job. And I, I don't think Ten Hag's hit 50-50. Do you? Can you make a case for any of them being 50-50? Five of them out of the 10 Amrabat hasn't kicked a ball yet. Andrea Nana, for me, you didn't. Yes, you needed an upgrade on De Gea. Yeah. Would I have let him go for free and spent that on Andrea Nana? No, I, I wouldn't have. I'd have concentrated on a lot of different other areas and I'd have given De Gea a two-year contract myself. Uh, mm-hmm. Mason Mount, the wrong player at the wrong time. He was heavily linked with Liverpool. Was he... Well, Man I think will beat Liverpool to this signing. I don't know. Hoyland, I think he's going to be a success. But like I say, it's too early. Anthony, Casemiro, Martinez, Malassia. Eight signings. It's not a good enough rebuild in general. Like, it's not. Um, but we've backed the manager. Like, these are the manager's choices. We've got the manager's players. And everyone's now saying we need a director of football. Before it was, we need to back the manager with what he wants. Now we've done that. We need a director of football. So, Did you see Neville's comments? No, what did Neville say? Neville basically in uh, Goldbridge has slated him on Twitter for saying it. Something along the lines of, this is what happens when you let a manager pick all the players. So Goldbridge retweeted and saying, basically, Neville, that's you turning on Ten Hag now then. And in a way, it is. Like, he's, he's kind of saying, you know, Ten Hag needs time. And it's the Glazers out. This is all on the Glazers. And then he is kind of turning on. So if, if this is Ten Hag's players... Then Ten Hag's got it wrong. Then in Neville's mind, is that what he's saying? No. What he, what what I think Gary Neville's trying to say is, is that there should be a recruitment a, a model for recruitment. So the manager brings the style, and then the recruitment model says, right, well, these are the options that fit into that model for the positions you want, and then you deliberate, and the manager has the final say. Like it doesn't matter whether the manager picks the player out of thin air or what, or or has the full recruitment model. There should be a model in place. Like with Liverpool, you had Michael Edwards, who would scout the best talent. Jurgen Klopp, quite well documented. He wanted Mario Goetz and Marco Royce when he joined. The recruitment model says we advise Salah and Mane. They went with Salah and Mane, but there would have been some decisions where Klopp would have got his way as well. Like it, it, There's a mixture. Do you know what I mean? That's how clubs, they utilise budgets. These are discussions that go on. These are the things that happen. And like you said, some of them go right, some of them go wrong. But it still doesn't relate to what you necessarily see on the pitch in terms of the coaching. Like Man City's model, they get their signings more or less perfect. But if you don't give, if you don't coach them right, then they're not going to look good. So we can talk all the time. I mean, this is the thing, what it does look worse on Ten Hag. And maybe 
Gary Neville is calling out Tanag a little bit because what we're saying is is we've given Tanag more or less exactly what he wanted. And I know what Man United fans are going to say, but he wanted Kim and Jay, he wanted Harry Kane. He was never going to get Harry Kane. Harry Kane was never going to get sold to Man United from Spurs. It was never going to happen. So get that out of your head. So well, I think he could have, but they'd have wanted like 200 million, wouldn't they? Yeah, it was never it was never gonna happen. So the only the only guy that I say that we probably dilly-dallied on the deal was Kim Min Jae, and he went to Bayern. But apart from that, he got more or less everything he wanted. He got a striker, he wanted the goalkeeper, got the goalkeeper he wanted, he got Amrabat, whether it was alone or not, and he might have come in a little bit late. He's got him now and he's injured. But then and then we've got him an emergency left back. Like there's not many clubs that can do that, you know. Like, get a couple of left-backs injured and then we get him another left-back. Like, Tyreek Lamptey played left-back for Brighton on Saturday and he's a right-back. Do you know what I mean? Most of their team's free. Do you know what I mean? They've got three thirty, 30 they've got two 31-year-olds in the team and a 35-year-old. Like, I'm just not having it. Like, it's just weak. It's lame. Like, I don't want to hear it no more. Like, there's plenty there to get better out of what we're getting and we're just not seeing anything. I, there's no identity I can relate to with what I'm watching at all. Where did Man United go from here, Travis? Mm. Is it literally? I mean, obviously, uh, I, I, Ten Hag's a dead man walking. Mm. He is not going to recover this. No, no, no. If Ten Hag had spent a hundred million net in the last two windows, okay, instead of four hundred million, I could probably see it. He's still got a lot of dead wood. He's being tentative in the market, signing the mm. right play at the right time, not rushing it. But the fact he spent four hundred million. And it's going this wrong this quick. I don't see how we can recover from this. Do you? Not at all. Not at all. It's because it, the football is not going to get any better. Because, like, if he's playing a diamond, it's just we just haven't got the players to play that. Like, you, you can see, mm. we've got two up front. He knows Rashford's not a striker. He loves Martial. Martial's on the bench. If you want to play two strikers, play Martial and Hoyland. Like, you've got, you've got the pieces there to be showing better than what you're displaying at the moment. But he's just getting a lot of decisions wrong. And the fan base, we've got, like, this sort of unique way of, like, just blanketing everything. Like, the list of managers we've had since Fergie left has been David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Carrick, Ranić, Giggs, and Tenog. And I know some of those were interims. But that's not a list that Man City would employ any of those managers. They just wouldn't. Man City wouldn't employ any of those. The best one we've had is Jose Mourinho, and he's very controversial. He can either smash it at your club or it can go tits up. But at least, least he had the credentials to do the job. He had the strength. Yes, they were mitigating circumstances, and he fell out with players. And in his third season, he went. But like I said, the remit for United is challenging for the biggest honours. And when we were challenging with, with the biggest honours, we had the best manager, we had top quality players, and we had David Gill in charge, who just supported Fergie with the recruitment. Like, like that was it. Like, and I know it's a different game now, and there's so many systems and sports science and all these different factors that come into football now. But at the end of the day, as a fan, all you want to do is look forward to watching your team play on the Saturday. And in 10 years... We've not employed one manager who's renowned for having an identifiable brand of football. And I think that's what the next managerial appointment has to be. Poster Coglu at Spurs has just walked in in five games, 
and and neutrals enjoy watching Spurs play football. Yeah, that, that's Absolutely. it in five weeks. Do you know what I mean? So how it's taken us fourteen months and neutrals don't like to watch United play football. How is how is that? Like you said, on such a big budget as well, four hundred million. I know some of that business is, we've overpaid and all that, and we, we're always scrutinising like, oh, we could have paid sixty million for Anthony. Glazes out and all this, like, yeah, fair enough, they're dead, but that's that that's not why we're playing dead ball because we played twenty million more for Anthony. We we still got the player. That's the player that the manager wanted. So we'll have to see, man. Uh, Jamal's just joined us. How you doing, mate? Cheers for joining. Don't forget to like and subscribe, Jamal. Uh, we're a Liverpool and a Man United fan here. I don't think I've seen you on the channel before. Right then, who's saying Ten Hag needs to go? Where's the shame levels? Jamal, are you saying that he has to stay? And if he is, let me know in the comments. Give me a couple of mm-hmm. bullet point reasons, mitigating factors of why he needs more time and why I like he should Jamal. stay. I like Jamal a lot. He, How do you know him? Yeah, I know Jamal, yeah. Well, oh, Twitter, he's going to come on the channel. He's a good, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Really oh, good guy. So does Jamal think Ten Hag has to stay then, I presume, from his comment? I reckon so. Yeah, I mean, um, we've discussed it. And, I, and like I said, I might seem like a little bit of a flip-flop. But, like, I've... I've, I've you just, can only comment on what you're seeing, though, can't you? This is what I mean. Like, and, like, let's just base it on these five performances so far. Man United have been absolutely, truly abysmal. Yeah, they have been. I mean, if I was, I would be honest, if I was confident that when the injuries come back, that, yeah, we're going to source because those players are coming back. Like, if I was seeing it on the pitch, I was like, oh, he's just not got the legs. But when that's Amrabat, that's going to be sick. Or when that's Mount, that's going to be sick. I just can't see it because for a start, I don't even know what system we're going to play. I just don't know. Well, like, you've hit the nail on the head there. When Amrabat's fit and gets back in, it's going to be another system change, isn't it? Potentially, I mean, it has to be him it, well, and Casemiro anchoring. But it could be Casemiro getting dropped. People are saying it could be Amrabat <laughs> in Casemiro out. Like people are saying Amrabat, Mount, and Bruno. Like that. That's going to be the three. And then people are saying Casemiro, Amrabat, Bruno, Mount on the right until we get a winger. It's just like it's all guessing games. There's nothing set. It's all guesswork. And literally, you could. Do about 10 United lineups and they're all dead. <laughs> Listen, Travis, just promise me one thing, okay? Promise me you'll be active a lot on Twitter for me, uh, Skip, Robert Malunga, uh, and obviously Naz will be on there. Promise me if Casemiro gets dropped, you'll be really active on Twitter because I want I want to have lots of discussions <laughs> about it. Um, Jamal, firstly, lots of love to you both. Appreciate it, Jamal. Cheers for tuning in. Cheers, but yeah, Amrabat, obviously, he's coming with a big reputation. Exactly what Manchester United need, dare I say, after his performances in the World Cup. Apparently, he covers every blade of grass mm. on every pitch uh, at the World Cup. And he's hopefully going to be doing the same for Man United. What do yeah. you know about him? Is he is he going to solve all your problems? You remember when Casemiro signed and apparently sent a text about he, was, he had this big gaping hole in the middle and he apparently texted, I will tell them I'll solve this. What does Amrabat solve from your knowledge of him? He's definitely a deep-lying playmaker. Like, he's not an eight. He's more of a six that, like you said, he can put his foot in, he is combative, but he will help us massively on build-up 
if we if we coach it right. So if we're trying to play out from the back and the, the defenders are creating the right angles and we're trying to play into midfield and we're trying to get playing, he's going to be a lot better than Casemiro at that side of the game. So if we're trying to build up from the back and teams are dropping off and let us have a possession, he will be massive in that. Um, regard. So he, he's got a good passing range. He has got a good engine. Like he said, he gets about the pitch. He's defensive-minded. And apart from Casemiro, we've not really got anybody naturally who's who's defensive-minded. So he is going to help us big time. How much he's going to help us, I don't know. Because like you said, it, it's a team game. He's not just going to waltz in and all of a sudden we're going to keep 10 clean sheets in a row. Like the way we're defending at the moment remains to be seen but there's lots of factors like everyone's going on about pressing like another statistic i saw the other day was our defensive line is is like a couple of yards deeper than last year i'm like we're meant to be high pressing or do you know what i mean so so you've got strikers and attackers and wingers that are trying to high press but then our defensive line's dropped so to me so to me without even watching the game that says to me that our forward line and our defensive line the gap's massive so, like, the midfield's got so much ground to make up in offensive areas and defensive areas. They, no wonder they can't get close, and especially against a team like Brighton that keeps the ball so well. Honestly, they will keep the ball until you're dead, mate. Like, literally, they will keep the ball. Travis, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not even talking about Brighton. I can't stress. You need to watch the 90 minutes. I can't stress enough. Man United did not turn up. It was like a training game for Brighton. You didn't put any pressure on him. They were not in danger for virtually the whole 90 minutes. It was pitiful. I know. But what you can't do is like just batter individuals. Like I can remember, I don't know. Can you remember when we used to have that chat with Neil and he showed that Oxlade Chamberlain clip where he tried to press on his own against Bayern Munich and he's fuming in, in the middle of the pitch. He's getting bopped. There's like three Bayern players just passing it in a triangle. He needs pressing on his own. That's an example of what happens if you just try and press and nobody else is pressing with you. It's stupid. You can't win the ball back. So, every, I mean, that particular clip with Rashford could have been right. I'm not defending Rashford. He's got an issue with it. But it depends what the instructions are being given. Like, I think Goldbridge did a video saying that he reckons that Rashford's been given instructions to be a luxury player like Ronaldo, reserve your energy, will, will, will like, counter-attack and basically everything goes through you but like you said we're not we're not sitting off we're not we're not using like a mid block like it's like half the team are pressing and half the team are deep so it's like so disjointed i keep coming back to that word if we were sat if we sat in against brighton and played a 4-4-2 or 4-5-1 and had players spread across the pitch and we said to brighton invited us on right come and break us down sort of like a bob team coming to old trafford I could understand it and I wouldn't have minded it because Brighton are a better footballing team than us. That's fine. But what we're sort of saying is like saying, Hoyland, you press, Rashford, you half press, Bruno, you run around and do what you want. And then it's like, you've got behind that Ericsson, who, bless him, he's just not that guy. But Tomine's like trying to run out, sprint to a centre half who's in the left back position. Then he leaves a gaping hole in midfield. Welbeck drops in. He's got Lalana buzzing around him and a couple of other players. It's just all over the place. Just get a shape. Do you know what I mean? Make yourself hard to beat first. Don't at home. All this. At home, Travis. Think We're about what ready, you're saying man. after the last thirty years. You've just said at home at Old Trafford. You've got to make yourself hard to beat. 
Yeah, because we're not this set up over. in Trafford. This is Manchester no, United. We're not set up I feel in like I'm right angrier way. than you. <laughs> I know, but we're not. No, no. It, it's, see, ang- I've gone past all that. I've gone past all the anger yeah, and stuff. I know. Zen yeah, like I, I've, I've genuinely gone past it because I know it's down to coaching. Like I've seen, I can see Deserby do it. Like I've seen Deserby get a group of players that cost nine million quid. Players like Lewis Dunk. You can't tell me Lewis Dunk has grown up being a ball-playing centre-half all his life. <laughs> Spraying yeah, it you know, around. You know, like, know the biggest out. one is that keeper. Jason Steele. 33. Oh, my God. He's 33 years old. Exactly, bro. Do you know he what I mean? the keeper you hoped Anana was. You should have seen him bopping it around. Um, yeah, but put Jason, Jason Steele in, in, Steel in our team. Do you think he's doing that? Wow. So this is what I'm saying. So I like, like to think he would, but the players receiving it wouldn't be receiving it as well as the Brighton players did. This is what um, I'm saying. It's all about the angles and everything. It's just, it needs coaching. Brighton drill that all the time. I'm not sure we're doing that as often as we should be. That That's what it looks like to me. I'll be absolutely shocked if Casemiro gets dropped for Amrabat. They're going to be a double pivot number six to try and, like you said, make so hard to beat for the next month or two. I can almost guarantee it. But if he does get dropped, I'll be here for it. We'll all be here for it. <laughs> Skip will even make his debut on the show. Really? Uh, speaking of making debuts on the show, Jamal says, I can see a pattern of play. We simply don't have a team that's capable of carrying it out. Happy to discuss on the mm. channel. Jamal, you and others are more than welcome. We're just getting up a, a little clientele of people that are happy to come on the channel. Skip's going to come on I'm soon. I'm glad, Jamal, made his, his I'm glad, I'm glad Jamal has said that because he's right. Like he's not, he's not deny. I'm not denying that he's right. But what, what, what I need to, do, what I need to stress is that we, if we haven't got a team that's capable of doing it, that that's the bit that's not just down to the manager. Like that, that is a joint thing. Like as a package, we still not got the recruitment set up. Um to be at an elite level. Do you know what I mean? I'm, this isn't me saying if Pep Guardiola walked in with this current Man United squad, he'd just go and walk the league with it. He wouldn't. There's still gaping holes in it in certain areas. But if you gave Pep Guardiola 400 million with this squad in two years, I'm very confident you'd see more of a sustainable brand that could challenge for the league than what we're seeing. So then you cool. then you question that, that's what I mean. So then do you do you question have you got the best manager you could possibly have at this moment in time? We probably have. That's what I'm saying. So like, unless you can definitely get an upgrade, I wouldn't sack a manager now. But for me, I personally am not confident that Tenag is 100 the right man to take us forward. Like I, I literally can't. I can't be. I can't lie about it. From what I'm seeing on the pitch now. I don't. I can't see him turning this round. That doesn't mean we're going to go and lose every game and we're going to finish nineteenth. And yeah, get of course. And or it doesn't mean that you're campaigning Ten Hag out. I'm not watching him until he's gone. Yeah, yeah it's still great like to have that. an opinion and say. Yeah, this, from this is point. It. it looks a really difficult task for Ten Hag to turn this around. Yeah. Um, Jamal says, I just don't think any manager will do well with this team, barring any mitigating circumstance. We just touched on that. Um, about 20 minutes, Jamal. I don't know if you were there, but I said, if the team is this bad, surely just put your money away for a year or two, start chopping the dead wood, getting rid of your Maguires, getting rid of the players that just aren't going to cut it and, you know, kind of save up almost a nest egg 
for when you are ready to get it right and get the right profile of player and maybe just accept a couple of years out of the Champions League while you implement your style and build your team to be successful, not in 12 months, but in four to five years, much like what Jürgen Klopp did when he took over in 2016, I think it was. He obviously didn't get it right till 2019, 2020, three to four years later. Um, so, you know, but if Ten Hag's got this money, Ben Hole in his pocket, here's 200 million, he's going to sign players that he knows. Uh, Martinez, Anthony, he's, he's not going to say no to them players because he knows them. He thinks they can give them a quick fix. They'll hit the ground running. But so far it hasn't happened. And it might be because of the deep lying problems in the rotten core of the squad that, like we just said, he needs to be shipping some of these out before before they turn other players rotten. Um, where where I think Tanag's not been helped as well is like he's not been told about the league enough. Like it was quite evident before we come in, we needed a lot of power in this team. Like in the Premier League, you need a certain degree of power and physicality. And I've been banging on about this on Twitter for such a long time. Boys like, and I keep, you keep using City, but you can use like even Arsenal now in that equation, Liverpool, players like Rice, players like Ruben Diaz, Rodri, Haaland, do you know what I mean? Akanji, big powerhouses, along with the technical ability as well. And I just don't think United, in these last two summer windows especially, have bought, added enough power to this team. Like, we bought in mounts. Like, Martinez has got aggression, do you know what I mean? And he had a fantastic first season, so I'm not going to necessarily include that in that in that bracket. But if you put a starting lineup for United, you look at Dallow, you look at Shaw, you look at Ericsson, you look at Anthony, you look at Martial, it, it doesn't strite you with any fear. Like, if you look across... The way in, in in the in the like in the tunnel and you're looking, you're not going to be intimidated by that lineup from a physical point of view. You can ruffle a few feathers, you can get amongst people, and that's why I was surprised that he didn't bring in Tom and a little bit earlier. He didn't have his best game. I'm hearing at the weekend, but yeah, Amrabat, no yeah, I know. But even Amrabat, he is more of the type of profile that I'd like to see in the team a little bit more going throughout the team. And, and again, Hoyland adds to that as well. So I just think, like you said, he has, as a combination between the manager and the club, the recruitment hasn't been unbelievable. It has been mixed. It's been very split. Like you said, 50-50. Some of the signings have been good. Some haven't, haven't been good. And like you said, I think that for me has been one of the reasons why you're not seeing what we're seeing on the pitch. But at the same time, you still, these problems that do happen at clubs, like, like I said, Man City, I'm not saying Man City have had the same level of problems as us, but if you think of them as well, I mean, they had, they had Mendy, they had Mendy on a long, on a long trial. They've had these 115 charges hanging over them with players players like Cancelo falling out with a manager and stuff. Yes, it's not on the same scale and they have more stability, but nothing nothing relates to how you play football in that sense. And I'd still expect to see a better brand from Tanark than what we're seeing. Jamal says Lindelof is very passive relative to Martinez. Our high line will fail, I feel, for the time being. How many managers has Lindelof got the sack now? I mean, if that isn't indicative of... Uh, not a bad apple, but, you know, someone who's not up to the Manchester United standard. Mourinho signed him, didn't he? Yeah. 
And then he was there for the whole Oli era, obviously, the Rangnick era. He's still playing centre-back now for Ten Hag. Um, mm. You know, that is probably the, the standout player that shows why Man United are no closer to winning leagues again. I personally think that RDZ situation isn't comparable here. Get him to coach our team and the same issues will prevail. Yeah, well, that's... We always say recruitment is 80% of the job. You know, Pep, Deserbi, they're not going to come in and turn Man United into league winners. What you would want from a top coach, though, is the kind of impact that Postacoglu's had at Spurs. Organisation and effort, maximum effort. I mean, look at Spurs. They won the game in the... 96th and 98th minute on yeah we need that's what we need like as fans you just want to look forward to watching your team do you know i mean that 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 is what you want to look forward to watching your team on a saturday and we haven't had that since fergie left really there's not been an era of football since fergie left under all the managers we've had where i'm like yeah couldn't wait do i mean when van all left boring when jose left he, w- he was a winner, but like very controversial, made mad decisions. Football wasn't always great to watch. Ollie was Ollie. He just knew he wasn't going to win the league. He just didn't have the experience. Moyes was the same. He he didn't even get a season. So, and now we're on to Ten Hag and, and we're not seeing the football that excites us as fans. Like we're not asking to win the league now. We're not asking to challenge City or Liverpool or Arsenal. That's not what we're asking for. The key word is progression. Like, by hook or by crook, we're not seeing it. Do you know what I mean? He has to be not the only guy that's responsible, but he has to be part of why we're not seeing it. And and we have to and we have to ask that question. Like his career before he came to United was FC Utrecht, Ajax, and a team called Go Eagles. So he's not experienced at this level. Now that doesn't necessarily equate that he's going to be there. But when you even think about a guy like Deserbi, because I did my research on this. He even coached in Serie A at, top, at like like mid middle of the road clubs in Serie A. Now, the Italian league is classed as one of the big five leagues in Europe. It's got some sort of reputation, whereas the Dutch league it's classed as good, but it's not classed as one of the big five leagues. So I even think the gulf between the Dutch league and the top five leagues is big, and the the gulf between the Premier League and the other four leagues out of those top five leagues is big as well. Do you know what I mean? So really, he's sort of gone up two levels straight away. Does that make sense? Like, he's not really proven in Europe. I know he had this semi-final run at Ajax and stuff. And do you know what? People are going to say to me, oh, you weren't saying this before and all that. But I've actually critically analysed it in my own head as to why I don't think I'm seeing the football. Because I can't see any other reason why I'm not seeing it. Do you know what I mean? He's had a lot of money. The signings haven't always been great. There's problems at the club, but I still expect to see a little bit better. But the thing is, Ten Hag was the standout candidate. He was pretty much like the only player, player, the only manager that the Man United board wanted. They were prepared to wait six months for him because he refused to leave Ajax mid-season. So they've been patient waiting for him and, and give the confidence and the backing that you are our guy. What do you think they've seen in him? So I much think, to make him know the what only I think candidate. One of the reasons was as well, and and whether this is because right he looks not. like Pep, because <laughs> <laughs> the bold head. No, I think one of the reasons, genuinely, is I think he might have had a rep- um, um, a recommendation from Van der Sar, 
and we've been linked with Van der Sar quite a lot. And he's obviously United through and through. He probably Ajax like sort of not they're not similar in model to United, but in terms of like the, the European the the heritage as a club and stuff like that. They they they're close to Man U's hearts in that sense as well. And we've got a good relationship with them. So I think. Um, Van der Sar as CEO probably gave a recommendation to United to say, right, this guy is not the next up and coming thing because he's not young. I think he's in his early 50s. He's not like a young up and coming coach, but he just thinks, yeah, he probably thinks he, he's ready to make that jump. I'm not saying that's the only reason they would have seen like his run with Ajax in the Champions League and stuff. There would have been other reasons why they probably felt he would have made the jump. But there was risk in it. Like, it, it's not a nailed on, like, do you know what I mean? We're not getting like Pep or someone like that or or Klopp or something like that. W there is risk with the appointment. And at the moment, he's not going to get sacked, but at the moment, it's not going according to plan. Like that, that's, there's no two ways about it. There's no other way you can look at it. Was he the Ajax manager that got to the Champions League semi-final in 2019? Spurs, yeah. Well, yeah, that was obviously on his CV. Uh, Jamal says there's a reason Potter looked crap at Chelsea. I mean, obviously there was, but Chelsea is a different kettle of fish. Um, they had like 50 pros on the books at that point, didn't they? And yeah, it was yeah, a mad, mad appointment. Season and as, as well, like he was always going to struggle joining at that time. Like he joined in November, the squad was on its arse. Um, and I, we said before he went, he's going to struggle at Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? Because we both did, didn't we? Yeah, they don't give managers any time at all. And an identity of, of um, and a way of playing isn't as important to them. Like it's not. Like it, it genuinely isn't. Like the managers that they've had, um, they've just all been winners. Jose, Antonio Conte. Sarri, Hiddink, they just go in at clubs and, win, and try and win. They don't, they're not bothered really about brand. They're just power and just high turnover, high turnover of managers, high turnover of players. They've always been the same in this era, Chelsea. They are a totally different football club to Manchester United. Um, Jamal says, I like your point, RE Pep Guardiola, maybe spending 400 million better than our current manager has. Still think he'd make recruitment errors. Think of Claudio Bravo, Bravo amongst many others he's got wrong. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Pep, him signing Bravo was, was almost a mirror image of Ten Hag. He signed someone that he knew, that he was familiar with when he first joined uh, mm -hmm. on an area that he thought Joe Hart is not going to be able to play the kind of brand of football or have the shape of the defence definitely that I need. And yeah, he, he made an error, but you could say that's Ten Hag as well. He's straight mm. away signed some. I think the reason he, Bravo he got knows. top though was, was the physicality again. Like he wasn't, he wasn't the tallest and he wasn't the most physically imposing. Like your keeper's got to be dominant in this league. Do you know what I mean? He has to be, he has to be very imposing. I think that's why Bravo got the top. He was good with his feet, good enough with his feet. Decent shot stopper, but he just couldn't hack the physical um, element. Uh, he says it's a fair point about managers not knowing how physical your team needs to be in this league. It is a really physical league, isn't he? Uh, unfortunately, the irony lies in the fact Ten Hag said Pep made this very mistake, then made it himself. Um, I mean, you talk about just the sign-ins. Obviously, you talk about the the shape, three different formations in five games, but at the same time. You've got to say that it's that Ten Hag's made so many errors on his team selection as well. 
um, in the last 14 months or the last season in a little bit. It's, it's not just the recruitment. It's not just the formations. A lot of it is the team selection as well. I mean, we've been championing McTominay. He's been slaying it for Scotland. He finally got his chance on Saturday. and He didn't grab it with both fans. So, oh, no. Scotty, Scotty McToms, you've let me and Trav down there because we were telling <laughs> Tenag to put you in. Um, and you yeah. didn't do us any favours. Josh is in. True Guna, big up, lads. Cheers for joining, Josh. Uh, if anyone's watching and loves Arsenal content, make sure you go and subscribe to True Guna. Yeah, like, honestly, I want to set the record straight. Like, I'm not calling Tanaga bum. Like, I'm not throwing him under the bus to that degree. He does need some support. Like, Pep, even with Pep, like you said, he's learned over time with the types of players he's trying to sign. Like, only about a season and a half ago when we was um, when he was doing interviews, he actually said, like, with his defenders, that he's changed the types of defenders he's buying. Like, the fullbacks he used to buy were, like, Zinchenko, Danilo, Cancelo, those types of players. Now he's going to, like, Nathan Ackes, like, he, more or less, like, centre-backs that can play fullback because he knows how important the physical aspect of it is. And players like John Stones that are so good on the ball have the physical height and the technical ability, and then that ability to defend as well, 1v1 and in a group, just means when he steps into midfield, it's sort of like a cheat code. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, you basically got a centre-half playing in the midfield with like the passing range of Beckham. So it's like, the game's moving all the time. So, like you said, after... The best thing United can do is sort of take a leaf out of their book a little bit. And like Liverpool and, and clubs that are Arsenal, Rice, like it was just it was just nailed on that type of player we needed in the middle of the park. Declan Rice is dominating games for Arsenal from start to finish. You can't get near him, can't knock him off the ball. Passing's unbelievable, got mad engine. Like you need that type of play in the middle of the pitch. And the best teams have it. Do you know what I mean? Caicedo, Enzo, Chelsea will come good with those players in there. Liverpool have addressed it this season. Slobosly looks like an unbelievable player for you. McAllister's in there, top draw. Do you know what I mean? Yes, Endo, we don't know about him. Graven Birch, we're not sure yet. But you address the areas. And, and I know the Liverpool fans didn't have faith with the rebuild and it was quite underwhelming. But you did. we said at the back end of last season, you didn't actually need as much as what the fan base like made out you needed it was like you needed to rip the whole thing down but you can see with the start of the season that that Klopp and, the, and his team had, had, had it all under control and I think like you said recruitment is a massive thing for us I think it, it really is so I mean the quicker the quicker the Glazers leave and the quicker we get better appointments in those positions as well it can only get better from there it is a big thing for us um, because the recruitment over the last 10 years has been very inconsistent but for me, it's two separate issues. I think we do need a... I Either Tenog steps up and picks a settled side and we start to see the rhythm and how he wants to play when everyone's fit. Time will tell. He's going to get the time to do it. He's not going to get sacked. In 15, 20 games, we might see something different on the pitch. But I'm not going to turn around in 20 games' time on stream and say, oh, because we've won... 12 out of that 20, then we're back and stuff like that. I need to see it in terms of the performance. It's the brand that I want to see. I want to see something that is capable of challenging the big boys, not just winning 12 dead rubbers or whatever and scraping them 1-0 because Rash has done a little mazy and bent it in the top corner. I want to see us in a sustainable way of playing. I don't want to break your wee heart, Travis, but Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson signed Declan Rice, don't they? <laughs> yeah. 
He's top draw. You get it done. That's the next marquee signing. And then we mm. go into the season. And then next summer, we have another marquee signing. And you just keep that conveyor belt going of dominance. And that's what Man United have lost so much, isn't it? When you mm. think that Casemiro costs 70 million, just another 30 million on top. And that's your number six sorted for the next 10 years. Uh, yeah. Ahmed's joined us. How you doing, mate? How I'm not sure I've seen you in the comments before, mate. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're new. He says, willing to watch the match Bayern versus Man U. We all are, mate. I'm willing to watch it. <laughs> We're probably going to do a stream. Sofa, I think. <laughs> We're going to do a stream after it. Uh, by hook or by crook, win, lose or draw, I'm pretty sure Travis will be up yeah. for that. Liverpool fan, by the way. Nice one. Cheers for tuning in, mate. Definitely hit that subscribe button. <laughs> loads, of, loads of Liverpool content. United might get Europa League spot in the group. You never know, mate. They might even That's where we fourth. belong in a minute. That's where we belong in a minute. Thursdays, Ahmed, mate. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, like you said, um, when the draw was made, I was very confident about the group. I thought we'd comfortably win at least two of those home games. Obviously, buying at home would be tricky, but I thought... Um, we would win definitely the home games and then maybe win one or two on the road. But all of a sudden, the trips to Galatasaray and Copenhagen look a little bit trickier with the form. Do you know what I mean? It, you can't definitely guarantee that we're going to get maximum points in them games. So Definitely away from home. They're, yeah. they're looking tricky, aren't they? Wayne? And Galatasaray, Galatasaray, I've not watched him play that this season, but with the way we're playing... Teams like that will come to Old Trafford and fancy themselves to get something. Do you know what I mean? And, and and at the end of the day, that group, if we don't pick up our form, it's wide open. I mean, Bayern, they're more or less guaranteed to finish top, especially adding Harry Kane's goals. He's just going to fire them to the top, no problem. He's, he's hit the ground running out there. So then, yeah, second place is going to be up for grabs. Hopefully, we're informed by then and we start to get a few of the injuries back. That's all I can hope, that we just get our best lineup out there and just give it everything, man. Um, like you say, you've still got your strongest lineup to come, haven't you? You've got Varane to come back, you've got Amrabat to get fit um, yeah. and come in. You've got, obviously, Hoyland's only just got started, so you never know. Um, Sancho, that issue could be put to bed and, and they could maybe strike a, a bit of a compromise. And Anthony, a, Luke Shaw, Wambasaka's yeah. out now, he's out for two months. So, yeah, so, yeah. it can all turn around quick. Did Ahmed just say that? The season just start. Everything might change. Absolutely, mate. Um, he says Chelsea struggling ever since Tommy Tuchel got sacked. Absolutely, they're an absolute yeah. mess this season. We've done a stream with Dan, and I watched Dan from Two Blues stream last night. Um, and yeah, they're in an absolute mess. They look absolutely toothless up front. Mm. Um, Galatasaray might get third. They might, mate. You never know. Um, Copenhagen. I don't know what they're like. Um, Travis. Thanks for fronting up today, facing up. And I know you always would. I don't need to worry about that. Um, that's what Onto the Ball is here for. It's been pleasurable. Um, I don't know about pleasurable, mate. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a lot sorted out, haven't we? There's no um, pleasure without pain, brother. I'll tell yes. you that. But we'll be back Wednesday night. You up for Wednesday night, 10 o'clock, live match reaction. I think United's tomorrow, you know. Oh, is it Tuesday? Even better. <laughs> Tuesday yeah, night, let's do yeah. it. Um, still seven watchers. Cheers for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I'm in trouble, Travis. I meant to put the chicken on before I come on the stream, so it's ready for me coming off. I forgot. I've just heard the missus come in, so I'm going to ah. face the music. <laughs> That's worse <laughs> than any Man United performance. I'll tell you that now, mate. I'm going to get cooked. <laughs> right, nice one. Cheers, man. Cheers, Cheers guys. Man.